Well, it may come as no surprise to you that I've never really been a gym junkie. I suspect you are surprised, although after three uh, star jumps, I'm a bit breathless at the moment. But despite the fact that I've never really used a gym regularly, though there is one in the building I live in where I'm in the US, I've learnt this lesson about gyms. Going once is not enough. <laughs> in fact, I think the word, is it the word apparatus, the word you use to describe a machine that you might use? That, that works? Not only should you not go once, but more often, but when you're there to use multiple apparati or apparatuses so that you get an all-round body workout. Once is not enough. And one implement, one apparatus is not enough either. If you've been watching TV in the last few weeks with Australian Ninja Warrior, you'd be amazed to hear... (laughs) how people have devoted a whole year of their life for those two or three minutes on the various challenges set before them. One of the the guys who's got to the finals built his own Mount Midoriyama in his backyard, in his field in Outback WA. So determined is he, through repetition, through doing again and again the kinds of challenges he set himself, Uh, make himself uh, uh, ready for the final challenge. The point of a gym is strength through repetition. Once is not enough. And so are the instructions from the Lord in Exodus chapter 13. The point of worship is not to do something different or new, The point of worship is to do something again and again and again. The people at the end of chapter 12 have just been brought out of the land of Egypt. And then we hear in 13.3 these remarkable words. Moses said to the people, remember or commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. As if they could forget that day. As if it was as if it was something that could slip their mind. It's like saying to someone, just remember the day of your kid's birth, because if you forget the day of their birth, well, you'll forget the kid. No, it's hard to forget such a momentous event, because day after day, the kid in your household is reminding you of that significant turning point in your life. God asks them to remember the day they were brought out of Egypt. Remarkably, the danger was that they could forget. And indeed, God tells them to remember the day in chapter 12, verse 14, before they've come out of Egypt. And then he reminds them here in chapter 13 that they need to remember that day. It's so important that we learn how to remember. And Christians, sadly, are prone to forget. Listen to these repetitious words in 2 Peter. I'm reading from 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter writes, I will always remind you of these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory. I think it's right to remind you, as long as I live in the tent of this body, 
or in 2 Peter chapter 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the Holy Prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your Apostles. No wonder Peter begins and ends the letter with a call to reminder. There are false teachers who are encouraging them to forget the Apostles' words. In Exodus 13, God wants his people to remember this extraordinary event, the day he brought them out of Egypt. And he encourages them to remember by getting them to repeat. To repeat the Passover. To repeat the Feast of Unleavened Bread. To repeat their consecration of the firstborn from chapter 12 and chapter 13. Imagine a soldier saying, I want to be a warrior, but I don't want to get up for drill again tomorrow morning. I so did that last week. Imagine an athlete saying, I want to be fast on the track, but I don't really want to exercise every day. Imagine a musician saying, I want to learn the piano, I want to play expertly, but I can't be bothered with scales. Imagine an actor saying, I want to appear in movies, but do I have to keep rehearsing my lines? Imagine a father or mother thinking that they only need to tell their kid once to say please and thank you. It just doesn't work like that. The Lord in Exodus 13 wants people to remember by repeating Now, there are some Christians who see repetition as the enemy of real, authentic spirituality. That repetition could be mindless, disengaged. But actually, what the Lord is teaching us from Exodus 13 is that the enemy of true spirituality is not repetition, but forgetfulness. That's the danger that we Christians succumb to time and time again. Now, in the 19th century, there were great movements of revival. For good or for ill, what Christians end up doing is saying, how fantastic that we can have this one-off event in the field or under the tent. Now, let's replicate what happened outdoors and take our cues from it in the way we think about our weekly worship. The assumption was that all we need for authentic spirituality is big events and big one-off decisions. That was what was happening so successfully, right, in the fields. But actually, classical Christian worship has always been about gradual strengthening through deliberate repetition. That's the way traditionally Christians have learned. It's a relatively recent invention that you need to do just something once with a big event. Christians have believed that we need to get an all-round body workout 
by praying each week, by hearing the Bible read each week, by hearing the Bible explained each week, by singing each week, by confessing our sins each week, by taking communion, if not each week, then at least regularly. Calvin wished we could take communion every week, but his church wouldn't let him. We've learnt from exercise dynamics and the study of how bodies work amongst elite athletes that by training we develop muscle memory. We do something often enough that it becomes second nature. It kind of gets built into who we are, which is the same with worship, right? Worship develops spiritual muscle memory. Everyone needs constant spiritual workouts. And when we exercise our bodies, even if in star jumps, weekly in church, what we're doing is internalizing what we're thinking or saying. We're personalizing the outward experience. We're inscribing worship in our bodies. No wonder in Exodus 12 and 13, there are so many senses, physical senses being suggested. You might hear the donkey complain when his neck is being broken. You might smell the uh, lamb being roasted. You'd certainly see the people gather for the meal. You'd hear words being spoken. In chapter 12 and in chapter 13, a dialogue is suggested that when children should ask what this is about, parents would reply and explain, this is a commemoration of the Lord bringing us out of the land of Egypt. Multiple senses are being applied in Exodus 12 and 13. No wonder we exercise multiple senses today at the Lord's Supper. And not just through our ears, uh, but through physical senses as well. We learn to receive all that God wants us to have. It's important that in Exodus 12 and 13, we hear the dialogue between parents and their children. Because... God isn't asking his people to repeat the Passover or repeat the feasts of unleavened bread without explanation. It's not just repetition for repetition's sake. It's repetition with explanation so that you know your lines in the story that's being played out. It's no accident, therefore, that when Jesus is preparing for his death, He performs actions and gives explanations. Taking the Passover story, but swapping it up. And no longer is the Passover story merely looking backwards. Jesus inserts himself. He breaks the script. He changes the lines. He puts himself at the center of the story. 
This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this continually. Do this often in remembrance of me. Jesus doesn't say, think about this night to remember me. He says, do this in remembrance of me. There's actions that he expects us to follow. As he's put himself at the centre of the Passover, so we put ourselves, our trust in Christ, at the centre of the story. We participate through our actions. We put our body on the line that we might know deep connection with him and with each other. But there's no lamb in the Passover, in the Lord's Supper, that Jesus wants us to repeat. The lamb and eating the meat of the lamb belongs to the old covenant. We don't present a lamb on the table this morning. This is the Lord's Supper. For we know that Christ in his own death was the lamb. We don't need another execution of a lamb this morning. Passover was for the Jews, but we do learn in chapter 12 as well that others who have been circumcised, sojourners in the land, friends of the nation, could themselves participate in the Passover. This is a story not about creation, but a story about redemption by the blood of the Lamb to those who make themselves part of God's covenant people. The Lamb in Exodus chapter 12 was a substitute. God's judgment was poured out but his people could be spared. His people could be free to worship in the promised land because a lamb, the blood of a lamb, stood in their place. The lamb of God took away the sins of the world. As our substitute, he only needed to die once. So in the Lord's Supper this morning, we're not repeating the death of Christ. But we are training ourselves to be God's people. We're learning together to celebrate the deep things we share with him and with each other. We're learning to take our part in the story. And by repetition, we're learning our lines. How important then that the words we use in worship are chosen well to help people understand that we have a part to play in the story of God in the world and that we are not audience members, but we're participants on the stage. What's the, the cash value of thinking about worship as a spiritual gym? Well, it might mean that we need to get to bed early on Saturday night so that we've got energy to work out on Sunday morning. We need to give to the Sunday experience more energy. When I first became a Christian, it was assumed that I'd go to church twice a Sunday, in the morning and at night. 
That was my spiritual workout. But I fear that today, if we think we get to church once every two or three weeks, or certainly for many people in our congregation, they think they're doing God a favour. Why is it useful to think of worship as a spiritual gym? Well, even in the dry seasons of life as a Christian, when you're not feeling terribly close to the Lord, the structure of the worship service the repetition that you've practiced before and continue to practice might actually be the only thing that keeps you going. In the crises of life, something predictable is reassuring. When all else seems chaos, to have a structure of which we're a part can be salve for the soul. Repetition in worship for example, in the Lord's Supper, but elsewhere too, is healthy because it's not built around the personality of a pastor. But it's a predictable pattern that gives us assurance and hope. Repetition at the Lord's Supper here in college is good for us as individuals because it's training us to be a community together doing something together, waiting for each other to partake, praying with the same words, receiving the same gift from the same Lord by the same Spirit. Friends, we come to worship to get an all-round spiritual workout such that our mind and our heart and our body and our soul together are stretched and toned. For the Apostle Paul says much the same thing. When our bodies are offered as living sacrifices and our minds are transformed but not conformed to this world, then we can offer our spiritual worship wholly and acceptable to the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, please, Heavenly Father, by your Son and through your Spirit, help us this day to exercise our soul. Help us to put our bodies on the line so that the deep things we believe, the magnificent plan that we're a part of, might shape all of us, each part of us, inside and out. Please, this day, give to us all we need through the sermon and the sacrament. And please shape us for obedient service in the world. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Indeed, one of the ways we remember, we worship, is